0: shall escape. I'm getting out of here to a better life. You're the only one who still thinks he can. What will happen
1: if they catch us?
0: Like it or not, you're stuck with me.
1: I tried to save you. And now we can save each other. What is all of this? our ticket out of here
0: we've only
1: just begun
0: there are a lot more stars than i thought
2: hello everyone and welcome to discussing trek today we are here to review star trek prodigy season premiere lost and found like always i'm your host clarence and i'm joined by my fellow co-host Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than Cal Jones. How you doing, man?
0: You know what? I am excited to be here. I know I say or usually say I'm excited to be here and I pretty much mean it, but I am truthfully glass, not half full, glass fully full saying yes, excited to be here. Yes. Thank you.
2: Awesome. I can't wait to get into the details of that statement. (laughs) Also on the podcast, somewhere deep in the far reaches of the Delta Quadrant, is Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man?
1: Oh, man, I am awesome. I am super duper excited. I have not seen such great tricks since Picard. I am ready to talk about it, even though I am terribly lost in some expanse out here in the Delta Quadrant,
2: but... <laughs> we're going to get right into it but first what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of star trek in somewhat excessive detail in addition to talking all things trek guys if you're new to the show your first time listening please like and leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening on to make sure you don't miss an episode and also it helps with discovery so if you are on itunes or iOS, just go ahead and uh, leave us a five-star review there, and also uh, leave us some feedback on on the post as well. We'd really appreciate it, guys. So guys, we are ready to get right into our review of Star Trek Prodigy, the series premiere, Lost and Found. Lost and Found is the series premiere of Star Trek Prodigy. The episode was written by Kevin and Dan Hagman, and was directed by Ben Hibben. Exiled on a mining colony outside Federation space, a group of lawless teens discover a derelict Starfleet ship. Dow must gather an unlikely crew for their newfound ship if they are going to escape Tars Lamora. But the Diviner and his daughter Gwen have other plans.
1: Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand at battle stations. I'll
2: give you the right. You
1: cannot destroy an undead.
2: At ease before you sprain something. And as we do always on the show, we go to Kyle Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Kyle Jones, what do you have for us, man?
0: I'm thoughtful tonight. That's what I am. I am thoughtful. And I'm going to define my thoughts by saying, what is the definition of prodigy? The definition of prodigy is something extraordinary or inexplicable a marvelous or unusual accomplishment, deed, or event. That said, the Star Trek Prodigy two-part introduction event's greatest accomplishment was not the dazzling animation or the extraordinary characterization. Instead, the story introduces the audience to a cast of outsiders overflowing with potential, never relying on one-liners or low-hanging fruit, The story promptly proves the series has the potential to reach the upper echelon of Star Trek. It's good to remember that just because they call it a kid's show doesn't make it elementary. Oh, and I'm Hologram Janeway. How may I be of assistance?
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Cal hits with the thoughtfulness tonight, and I'm loving it. I'm here for it. Jonathan Shorts, your high-level view of the episode, man
1: man, I cannot say enough how much I appreciate this animated trick adventure that we're beginning. I say that with a bit of hesitation because, well, Lore Dex is kind of giving me negative vibes about animated trick. Hopefully we don't start great and fall short. That being said, I love the storyline so far. I love the character so far. I love the animation so far. It's everything I would have wanted in this series.
2: Mm. Before I give my two cents, Cal, did you have any additional thoughts?
1: Indeed.
0: Yes. So while I agree with the cautious optimism that I hear from Jonathan, and yes, it is wise to always not assume the best because we don't know what's coming yet. However, I think we could go back to the very beginning of Lower Decks and not have felt the excitement that I'm feeling in this virtual ready room that we're talking in right now. I can't tell you the last time, other than the beginning of Discovery and the beginning of Picard, that I felt this much excitement. I've never felt this much excitement over an animated version of Star Trek. I liked the characters. The characters were so real that I often forgot that they were animated. Love this.
2: (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I I echo both of you guys' thoughts. I mean... While Prodigy is made for a younger audience, I feel like it also caters to any Star Trek fan. We get this well-established quest from the very beginning and this, this new newly formed ragtag crew of, of the USS Protostar. But we also, you know, we establish a cast of characters that seem like it's going to make the series interesting and fun. And in this premiere episode, Austin found, in some ways... May have felt a little bit more like Star Wars and Star Trek, but that doesn't bother me at all. They're taking their time to establish a strong base for these characters to build on. Kudos to the production team establishing a visual aesthetic that I feel is just off the charts and top tier. One that makes the possibilities endless for the realization of how where no man has gone before can look and feel to a new generation and beyond. So, yeah, I am. Really excited about this series and kind of echoing of what John said and I guess even you too, Kyle. I, th- I feel like the trajectory is only uh, and that worries me in some way because I feel like this first episode is so solid and does establish the character so well. I do have some reservations around it, maybe getting too kitty but honestly. Any of that that I felt in the first time watching when I watched it again, all of that was just washed away because I was totally 100 percent in the story and loving and engrossed in the world. So, yeah, let's let's get into a bit of the review. Let's get right to the what I feel might be the heart of the matter for a lot of people. And I've seen a lot of people complaining about this. Does it actually feel like Star Trek? And is it too kiddy? Question mark. And I'm going to throw that to you first, John. What are your thoughts on the 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 feel of the show being like Trek? And is it too geared for kids? Because you have been the one have been saying, you know, it's like a Bugs Bunny show with Lord Dex, But I just want to know your thoughts here.
1: Well, l- let me say I love Bugs Bunny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but even Bugs Bunny, like the animators were I mean, the writers were able to put together a decent story. All right. And that's what I missed for Lord Dex. Does this seem, I'll say this short of, you know, there's no obscenities and sexual references. This really doesn't seem more or less kitty than Lord Dex.
2: Mm, interesting. interesting.
1: Uh, as far as being trick, like I, I, it would I'd say it's too soon to issue that judgment. Uh, But based on this first episode, like, why not? I, I don't... I could see this playing out on an episode of uh, TNG, you know? Like, mm. there's a group of people stuck in a prison camp, and they need to get out, and they find the Federation. Yeah. I mean, I could see this being a movie, like a trick movie.
2: Oh, it did very much feel like a movie to me. Cal Jones, what what are your thoughts on the, the feel of the show, and the, maybe... The
0: fact that it's geared toward a a younger audience. Okay, so I'll take the Star Trek aspect first. I like the fact that we didn't start with a ship. We didn't start with a crew. We started with characters. Because Mm. in the world of Star Trek, if you're going to grow Star Trek as a franchise and grow it more than all the stories that we've seen so far... To do that, to do that successfully, you're going to have to realize that other things exist outside of the Federation. And I think this did an awesome job of doing that by not just hitting us over the head with anecdotes and throwbacks and things that felt so inorganic that we kind of cringed on lower decks every time we saw them we remarked about them every single time so i love the fact that they established these characters and then just brought them together on something that just happened to be a federation starship. i love that now l- let me say this on the part of your are they is it a kiddie show Doctor Who started out as a tea time kitty show, and now it's known worldwide as being just a sci-fi franchise. So, I think good writing doesn't mean element. That's why I said what I did earlier. It doesn't make it elementary.
2: Yeah, and I definitely feel like in this, at least in this first pi- this first episode, premiere episode. They replaced whereas in the Lower Decks. I feel like they were going for antics and quick jabs or low hanging fruit, as we often put it on this show. Uh, but but they replaced it with fun. I mean, I was having fun. I mean, it's almost it's it's almost to the point until you get to the actual reveal of the protostar. You can almost forget you're watching Star Trek. But they definitely start hitting us with those uh, um, points of uh, well they start hitting us with this this piece of the Federation or, or this little nugget here or we see a Kazon here you know they start to integrate a lot of those things that we already know especially as, as Voyager fans that start to pull us in back toward the Star Trek world and I feel like well I may have heard on a panel the Hageman's talking about throughout this journey of the season, we're going to move closer toward the Federation or what we know from Starfleet and the Federation as the series progresses. And you could definitely see it in this this first episode. Now, as far as it feeling like Star Trek as well, I, I do feel like there's a lot of subtle nods to other franchises that we can be like, okay. You know, I often mention that this is like the Star Trek equivalent to the Clone Wars on the Star Wars side. You can you can make the argument that Dreadnought is like a general grievous knockoff. And they have a little hologram puck that he shows zero on at the very beginning. There's little subtle things that kind of hit to other franchises. And for for that matter, I feel like Diviner. And I actually asked this to you, Cal. To me, Diviner sounds like Jor-El from the first Superman movie to me. Hmm. Interesting.
0: I could see that.
2: Yeah. He he Uh. that voice Uh. as voiced by John Noble. It he sounded like the real to me for some reason. I guess Marlon Brando played him in the first Superman movie.
0: Yes. Yeah. A- and I am a big John Noble fan. I did not realize that was him. That makes me like it even more. Oh, so mm-hmm. what else has John Noble been in? John Noble has been in The Boys, but he was in uh, he had a starring, he's been on a lot of things, but mm. he ha- had a starring role in um, Fringe, and I loved Fringe.
2: Oh, see, that's one I've been meaning to go back and watch, because I know it has Leonard Nimoy in it, and I hear nothing but great things about it, but I I just never got into it for some reason.
0: I would be, I, I will tell you, I like that so much that I would even be willing to review that with you. I loved Ooh. Fringe.
1: I would love to be part of that review as well. I started watching it and I never finished it. I stopped and never got back to it, but I love the first few episodes of it.
0: Oh, wow. Then you haven't seen the half of it.
1: And so I also want to throw in a comment about it feeling more like trick. I think that's going to kind of be an opinion that varies because I think everybody sees a representation of trick in different ways. Like what, what do you consider a trick? Like may not exactly be what Cal considers trick. Like some people are in it because of the tech and the, you know, the gadgets and the computer. Some people are in it because they get to see space travel and spaceships. Some people are in it because of like different species or some people are in it for the overall, which I kind of consider myself, just like the overall, uh, morality of a future, like the Federation proposes, like to me, that's what says trick. And so for me to say this really feels like trick is because that I just kind of got that feeling from it. Like this is a build up to what the Federation like kind of purpose, like their purpose in the galaxy.
0: Mm. Yeah. So if you don't mind, let me add one, one, one other tidbit to that, which is this may possibly be the least trick episodes of this entire first season but i think it was so wise by doing it the way they did because you know these individual characters you learn to care about them again outside of the overall feeling of the starship i would have rather seen what we saw rather than you had hologram come online, here's the ship, and they're going out seeking these people and bringing them in. I think that the way we interact with these characters from now on would be lessened if that would have been what happened, if it would have been all about the ship and the hologram seeking out a crew to help fly the ship. Instead, you reverse it, and it's more character-based, but now you're going to have this guiding force guiding them, teaching them something they have no idea how to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a story about a, a a slave finding a ship and getting off a planet and meeting uh, a, a hero at the end of the story that is going to send them off on another quest. Um, but enough about the force awakens. We're talking about prodigy here, um, <laughs> <laughs> but <sighs> The, the animation, I just feel, is so top-notch. And I heard people actually complaining about the animation. I'm like, dude, this is, like, top-tier animation here. This is movie-freaking-quality, dude. And it's sort of CGS cell-shaded, just a little hint. And I, I love the animation, man. It, it just feels great.
1: Yes, it does. It's, uh, like, I I really don't see... Like, you forget... I, I personally forgot, like... Well, I'm not gonna say forgot, but I didn't even... Like, notice animation. Like, it could have been live action or it could have been animated. I wouldn't have told the difference. And that just tells you how well the story was written.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into that story. So, the main gist of the story is that Dal or Dal and his newfound crew escape a life of servitude aboard uh, this new ship that they found, this prototype Federation ship uh, called the USS Protostar. Let's talk about Dal a little bit voiced by Brent Gray, who's a musician and artist. He also acts in a few other things that I've never watched, but um, yeah, just a wonderful voice, I feel. But as far as this character, an alien of unknown species trying to get off this rock, of course, uh, just thoughts on the actor's performance in the role and the character in general, who <laughs> quite literally in this episode is reaching for the stars. <laughs> so just <laughs> thoughts on Dal in, in this first episode.
0: Kyle Jones. By far, by far, by far, 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 my favorite character of the story. Loved the character, loved the look, loved the voice actor, loved everything about the character. I have no complaints. Loved the character. And I'm not just like searching for words. I could go on and say, you know, I love the rebelliousness. I love the, um, you know, the 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 kid aspect but not quite the kid aspect the the taking chances and trying to get free loved every freaking moment of it by far my favorite character
2: yeah just just scheming on a way to get off that rock (laughs) what about you john
1: (laughs) uh i agree with kyle It, it it they couldn't have chosen a better character to start us out on our journey uh not gonna say it's my favorite character, but I mean that, that doesn't take anything away from it. like I absolutely love all of the characters, uh, but this kind of sets us up for a tremendous amount of growth. you know it's like he has the potential and he has the desire, but it it's just you know it's something I've always heard in working in the restaurant business, and like there there's when you have an issue with someone, it's either a skill issue. Or will issue Mm. like skill issue. We can teach. We can teach you anything. But if you don't have the desire or the will to do it, you're not going to do anything. But like this character strikes me as just full of will and want and dreams. And with someone like our beloved Captain Janeway, even hologram
0: leading him and teaching him like I can just imagine what he'll become. Yeah, oh, that's exciting, even thinking about it. And let me say this real quick to add to that. You know, our friend Lee Shackleford often says, show me, don't tell me. Well, they didn't actually show as in an action, but even down to the detail of the character of how he looks that there is one ear. It's not an ear piercing. It's an ear that's been cut. So, you know that he's got this scar on his ear, that he's been in some type of battle or he's been abused or something has happened to him. Just little details like that is why I think they just hit it out of the ballpark with this, with this story and these characters.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting with him too. They don't even know his race and, I love, like, he has a certain bravado about him, which is kind of weird to say. He's sure of himself, but not really sure of himself, if that makes any (laughs) sense. Yeah, I just assumed I was the captain. (laughs) And, And, you know, I feel like I laughed so many times in this episode, and I don't feel like they were... I feel like I laughed because it was written well. They didn't do anything overtly, like, slapsticky to try to push a laugh out of me i just some of the just the quippy comments you know when um uh what's the guy's name the engineer guy Jacum yeah jacom um, pog yeah and he was like i have not ready in a week and he does the classic captain thing he says one day <laughs> so he can do the one day right <laughs> you know stuff like that i'm just like oh this classically what a captain is going to do when you right. give them a long timeline so just stuff like that that was written into the script. This made me just smile throughout the episode. So, yeah, loved it. So we get this character named Dreadnought, who I said is a knockoff of, of General Grievous from, from Star Wars. You know, adamant about finding Fugitive Zero, the Medusin, voiced by Agnes Emery. So I, I'm not quite sure I get why the Diviner is so you know, why he's so adamant on trying to capture zero at first. I thought it might be to read minds to find the ship, but I'm not even sure that was it. Was it, was that clear to you guys on why he wanted to find zero so badly?
0: I thought that was his weapon and he needed his weapon back.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Remember he said, because the, if you look in the face of this being, you can go insane. Well, you were using that to get people to do what you wanted and not having that and the, and I thought that the prisoner was or zero was escaping because did she or he did not want to be you know this weapon or used as a weapon
2: yeah i guess that yeah that makes sense hmm
0: well i kind of took it a different way like yes at
1: first i kind of i was assuming he just wanted his special weapon back, but now, like, Zero just seems a little too knowledgeable about the how to operate this ship. Like, maybe Zero has either been on or read the mind of someone who has worked on a Federation ship, and maybe the Diviner knew that. Like, he knew he was looking for this ship, but he didn't know how to fly it.
2: Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, and that... <laughs> I guess that brings up a bigger question: How does the USS Protostar get abandoned on this mining colony somewhere in the Delta Quadrant?
1: Mm. Abandoned?
2: You or sure? was
1: it sent there? I mean, I don't. I'm going with the sent there, just because of the initial greeting from the Janeway hologram. Mm. She greeted them as like she like it was she was programmed to expect a new crew. On a ship that had no idea how to operate it. She didn't Mm -hmm. greet them as a hologram on a ship that wasn't expected to be there. You know, still, she could have said, well, I'll help you. But then she, I mean, her first thought would have been like, what happened? Do you know what happened? You know, like maybe the doctor waking up on the Voyager and their crash land. Like his first thought would be what happened? Where's the crew? But her first initial message is, hello, I am the training hologram, and we're going to get you going.
0: We're going to help you start exploring the stars. Like, I think it was sent there. Did someone ask for help? I am Hologram Janeway, your training advisor for exploring the greater galaxy. On behalf of Starfleet, welcome aboard. How can I be of assistance?
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah, but we do know that the Federation is so... Ownersome of their tech so even in that case i don't see them just sending a ship with no one in it toward the delta quadrant you know i i, I kind of feel like maybe someone was on board and somehow they had to abandon the ship or something now spoiler we know captain jacoté is going to be in this series not just hologram jacoté captain jacoté hmm. hmm. so it, it, and even and even the diviner has knowledge of the federation so I feel like either he had some conflict or run in with someone in the Federation and learned about this ship, and it had to be abandoned or hidden from him. So I'm I, I'm 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 sure we're going to get more more info on that. But I feel like someone from the Federation is somewhere close.
0: So what he was doing was finding or searching for this ship. That was what this whole mining thing was about, right? Or did I, did I watch it? I remember this wrong. Yes.
2: That's, that's complete. That's what I got from it as well. Okay. Yeah. So
0: if he's hunting this ship, that to me says if you're hunting something to hunt means to recover something that was lost or hidden. So perhaps this ship got lost or hidden in some battle or whatever the case that will revolve or evolve or re- be revealed throughout the story and No one knew where it was, Federation, nor did Hedy. He just happened to get information of where it might be, and that's why they've been mining, Mm -hmm. perhaps. And maybe the person or the
1: Captain Chicote maybe, uh, is a prisoner of the Diviner, and that's what he needs zero to read that person's mind Mm. to find the ship. That's a good point.
2: Good point. Now, as far as the mining operation, uh, I mentioned the Kazon earlier, but I thought it was cool to see a Kazon in animated form. And we we found out that they're bringing both criminals and orphans to this to this uh, rock in order to Tars Lamora to actually do the mining. Now, Cal, did that that cat child look familiar to you? Did you
0: see, have you seen a cat anywhere in Star Trek lore? I have seen a cat person in Star Trek lore, but the I will say the only thing that I did not like that they, was the fact that they left the cat kid uh, there and didn't take the cat kid with them.
2: Yeah, that was kind of sad because she was looking on as the protostar, you know, jetted off in his face. So, yeah, I was kind of sad for her.
0: Yeah, that that was the only thing. But hopefully we will see her again and cat kid gets rescued. He so might
2: get promoted to the 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 new bright hand of solemn or the diviner. <laughs> well let's talk about the daughter of of um the diviner slash solemn so again, I keep talking about star wars, but he's ba- basically chilling in a bath the tank <laughs> as he waits uh on, on you know his daughter to execute his orders but thoughts on Gwen first, and we can get in a little bit to the diviner on what we think's going on with him. But but Gwen, what do we think about her as this translator for her father? And seems to be a good person at heart that's kinda just stuck in the situation. And any thoughts on her?
1: Um so I liked her and it's probably my favorite and it's a real shallow reason why, but The fight scene. (laughs) That's
2: not shallow.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I I can't really just come up with great reasons. I mean, she's a great character, but I mean, she just, she feels me like, she feels like a very confident, powerful woman. You know what I mean? And, well, girl. Yeah. And that that's appealing to me. Like, I like to see that, that confidence and that know-how and that intelligence and then a great fighter as well. Uh, but I also want to point out, Clarence, I think you said he called her a prodigy as well. A progeny. I'm sorry. Progeny. Yeah, progeny. Yeah. So Which a descendant. Child
2: or daughter. I guess. Right.
1: Uh, I, I think that curiosity of like, I, I, We got to explore, like, what those powers are that she has when she lights up the lines and all that. Did they say anything about that? I thought that was more of a weapon. Sort
2: of that liquid sword weapon. That was pretty Mm. cool.
1: No, no, no. not. I mean, that, too. But, you know, when she was communicating with the Diviner, like, her face, like, had the, like, lit up in the crevices, kind of, and... I
2: didn't even notice that. Wow! And her
1: eyes light up like so. There's some kind of powers there that I'm curious. Like she's going to grow into, and I want to see what that's going to be.
2: Well, that's interesting because we know Zero has telepathy, and I would have thought she would have had it too, being so fluent in all these languages. But you know, I guess she has some other secret thing thing hidden that we're going to find out about.
0: So for me, for this character, I think she has the potential, and again, another reason why I say just because it's a kid's show does not make it elementary. They, they could either take this character into the person who started on the wrong side, switches over, and becomes the best character, et cetera, and so forth. Or they could go the route of you never know if you can trust her. I hope for characterization that they go the route of you never know if you can trust her. Because I think that makes her more interesting. Not because Mm. I dislike her as a character. I think she was very well written. But I think it would make her more interesting to take that route. And they have the potential to do that because you can tell she clearly doesn't want to be on the ship. But she has that moment of looking at space. And she's knowing all the things that we've seen in the episode about the father and her relationship and what her future might be. So I I think out of all of them, she's the most conflicted character and I like that.
2: Yeah, and I also think that harkens back to Voyager when you have the the Maquis and the Federation crews have to and Starfleet crew have to come together, you know. So she's like an outcast on a ship with people that Ooh, that's good. she doesn't necessarily want to be with. You know, so that's going to be interesting to see how they work through all that. And I'm sure Jane way will come up with some brilliant piffy. Well, you know, back in my day.
1: <laughs> and then that cool. How how the whole crew is kind of it kind of came out just like Voyager. Like they created a, They operate the ship on a on a patch together crew. And here we are again doing the same thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into some of that crew. I mean, we talked about Dahl and Gwen already, but what about, you know, we got Jankum Pog. We have Zero. We have Rock Talk. We have the Murph, which is an interesting character. But, you know, before we get into that, I I do want to mention real quick how I liked on this colony. They were using language as a barrier to keep everybody in place because they couldn't talk to each other. You know, I just found that pretty fascinating. The lack of communication between the the prisoners
0: kind of kept them subdued to some extent. And with you bringing that up, we want to talk about how incorporating Star Trek lore into the story. If you didn't have the part to know what you just said, Clarence, the fact of them getting a translator and then all of a sudden having it with them and being able to understand everything, that wouldn't have made the impact in the story that I think it did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was just too freaking cool, man. I, I was here for that. Um, you know, cause, cause there, I mean, tower of Babel is a real reason why if you can't understand each other, you can't work together or it's much harder to. So I found that all that fascinating. And the fact that zero was able to communicate telepathically with, with Dahl at, at the very beginning, I thought, or Dal at the very beginning, I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, as far as characters, I guess I'll go first. Jenkin Pog. I love that dude. <laughs> he's voiced by Jason Manzakis. Manzakis, I'm probably saying that wrong, but man, I think the voice actor is just phenomenal for that character. And he's a Telluride. He's, he's funny, and but not too over the top. And, you know, just has these great one liners. I thought, I thought he was a great character. And I could see kids like really loving him as well. He's, he's awesome. And engineer. Um, Did any, anyone have any thoughts on, on rock talk? I mean, you know, we, you know, she, she's actually voiced by a little girl, uh, at, I guess a 12 year old girl named Riley Alzaki, which I'm again, probably saying that wrong, but it's an actual little girl that's voicing her, uh, thoughts on that character or any other character you want to talk about. If you want to talk about Murph, it doesn't matter. What What do you want to talk about? <laughs>
0: I like Murph. I liked I liked Rock Talk. I liked the fact that you didn't know that this character was a little girl. That 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 was cool to me. But for some reason I just like Murph.
2: <laughs> now <laughs> the the thing about Murph, he's like a copy of the thing off of um Orville. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's a copy of that thing on Orville, isn't she?
1: Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yaffit
2: on uh, Orville. Yeah, it's kind of a, the same thing. Interesting character, but the smartest people are found in weird places because he's the one who enables the weapons at the end.
1: Did he, though? Like <laughs> <laughs>
2: he, he fell on the console and started pew-pewing. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I love the fact that they said pew-pew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that
2: was great. Yeah, they get off the planet. I mean, I I just feel like all the action was fun and interesting, and I was never bored, which I guess is the the point of having it as a kid show. And and I'm I'm here for it. I just really enjoyed it. You know, they get off the planet, and we eventually see hologram Janeway. Once we saw her, I knew we were f- firmly within the Star Trek world. And the ship is fantastic. The ship looks beautiful. It looks something more like a, out of a either the Abrams verse than the normal star Trek universe, but I still love the aesthetic of it and how it looks. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where this thing goes. Does anyone else have any, any other closing thoughts before we get into ratings?
0: Let, let me say this real, real quick. I think we're underscoring the fact that, and especially for us who are fans of star Trek Voyager. And, and I think that's particularly you and I, Clarence, We're about to see an episode coming just a few days from us, as of this recording, a brand new episode of something Star Trek with, from the very beginning, I'm assuming, a version of Catherine Janeway. Just think about that. As many years as it's been since Voyager went off the air, we're about to watch something brand new with Janeway. I think Mm -hmm. that is brilliant.
2: In almost twenty years, man, <laughs> can't wait. Definitely can't wait. So, with
0: that, let's go ahead and get
2: ratings for the episode, um, and let's start with you, Cal Jones. What do you rate this episode, Lost and Found?
0: Ah, uh, this is going to be hard for me to say anything else than five out of five.
2: Five out of five from Cal Jones. What five, about you,
1: John? Five, five, <laughs> five, five, five. I'm so happy to say five.
2: Awesome sauce and. You know what guys, I think I'm right there with you. I gotta give it a, a strong five, man. Just absolutely loved it. Loved it even more upon watching it again. I just feel like it's a good, solid, fun, 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 fun. So much fun episode of 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 Prodigy, you know, of Star Trek. And I, I I'm I'm I keep saying it, but I'm here for it. So yeah. Alright guys, well that's gonna be it. And with that we will get parting gifts from the crew this week uh, of the USS Rudderbeck. <laughs> <laughs> John, what is your parting gift for this week?
1: Uh man, I guess not really much other than I mentioned uh, on the last episode, uh, I've been watching Labrea on NBC, which has been a pretty good show. Uh, I described it, so I won't go into detail. So I guess tune into that. And we got the new season of Blacklist with James Spader started, which is one of my most favorite shows. So definitely tune in and check that out on NBC as well. Awesome sauce. What about you, Cal Jones?
0: Well, I would always direct people to discussingwho.com. We've just finished... The three-part celebration of the Doctor Who fiftieth anniversary, goodbye to the eleventh Doctor, and we will be, as of this week, going into series thirteen, flux, and reviewing part one of that, and that should be out soon. So, yes, discussing Who dot com.
2: Yeah, okay, I'm going to double down on what Cal Jones said. We have new Who, and I'm happy about that. So. Yeah, make sure to stay subscribed to the Discussing Who podcast feed so you can catch all of our new episodes discussing the latest season of Doctor Who, which should be a lot of fun. And with that, we're going to end things off, guys. Thank you for joining. Uh, Thank you for 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 tuning in to our review of this brand new show for Star Trek. And we're we're loving it so far. And if you have feedback, we want to know what you think about this episode You can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias. Also, you can send in feedback to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. If you want to send thoughts via email, We, we really appreciate it. Thanks for joining, guys. And until next time, live long and prosper.
0: adventure. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right. It's the podcast
2: Discussing Who. Exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present,
0: and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.